there. I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or 10 minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple shot K-Cup with my guest, Stefan Georgi. So let's flash back really quickly, Stefan, to when you were in college. As you mentioned, you went to the University of West Florida and you were a philosophy major and you graduated in 2010. Did you have any clue what you wanted to do when you graduated? Yeah, kind of, but it's not what I'm doing. I mean, I had, I had my, my clue was I, I guess my junior year, well, yeah, I decided like, well, you know, philosophy majors, the one kind of high paying thing for a philosophy major, high paying job besides you know, becoming a professor and getting tenure and stuff, which I thought about doing because I really did love philosophy, but was become a lawyer. So I, I you know, studied for the LSAT, took the LSAT, applied to schools, got into like a couple, accepted at the University of Miami, their law school. I was already in, in Northwest Florida, but you know, I loved Florida and tropical weather. I still, I love warm weather. Accepted, you know, graduated college and thought I was gonna do that. But then the, the weeks after I graduated, I had this sort of deep, thank God I was a philosophy major because I had this deep sort of introspective moment. I thought about the reasons for doing it and I was doing it for making lots of money and then for status, because then like I, you know, oh, I'm a lawyer. I'm doing something with my life. I'm, you know, that's really respectable, right? To be a lawyer. It's like, people are like, oh, well, a lawyer, like you're going to make money. You're, you know, but, but like, I didn't really want to be a lawyer. I didn't really want to go study the law. And I wasn't doing it because I was excited about the prospects of being a lawyer. I was doing it because it sounded good and impressive to people when I talked to them and I could make money. And you know, going back to my, my Boulder days and, you know, I kind of picked Boulder over, if I, it was that or San Diego State being in San, and I was in San Diego. And if I got to San Diego State, I probably could have kept playing poker and things may have been different, but I, Boulder was the kind of better school. And I sort of picked it for that reason. But I just thought back to that and I'm like, I don't want a repeat of that. I don't want to go to law school and after a semester or maybe a year, I drop out. And now I've got, you know, God knows how much like student debt and, you know, like I just, it didn't make sense. And so I, I decided not to. The other thing I kind of thought about was, you know, wanting to be like a, a, like a hipster, like novelist, writer type person. And, you know, I thought maybe that was a, a path for me. Yeah. Neither, I didn't do either of those things. So, yeah. I, and I think that is, that's again, a quintessential experience that many young people have where it's like, you you look at other people and there's this yearning, yearning for status, yearning for financial stability, security, even wealth. And yet you see 
the only path or, you know, you see limitations in your options. And one of many things that I try to teach the students that I work with is that instead of thinking of your major as like the tiny house that you're going to be forced to live in for the rest of your life, it's the foundation of a professional skyscraper that you're building over the course of your life with each new job and each new career, adding a new floor in that skyscraper. And when you disaggregate the skills and you take yourself out of the mindset of, like in my case, I was a poli-sci major, you were a philosophy major, history major, math major. When you disaggregate it and then look at what are my hard skills and my soft skills. What am I good at? What's my superpower? What Dr. Howard Gardner, the professor of psychology at Harvard University came up with, he said, forget about the IQ test. The IQ test is too narrow. There are actually eight different types of intelligences. It's everything from, you know, I'm a great communicator. I'm a great writer. I'm a great dancer or musician or artist. Or you start like looking at what makes you special because we all have our superpowers. And then you add that to your interests. And that's the path to go in. That is where you go. So there's there's a lot more to that, but I think that's just another example of where you fortunately didn't get stuck. You didn't like fall into the trap of fear and say, well, oh, my God, I don't want to take a risk and not do what is the safer thing to do. Go to law school. You leapt into the great unknown. A hundred percent. I love all of that. I have a couple of thoughts. I mean, one is. It's, it's, it's hard, like you said, to not fall into the kind of comparison trap. And it's even harder to have like Instagram and social media and everybody is presenting their most idealized version of their life to the to everyone else all the time. It's like we're we're putting on like a front like constantly. Right. But the comparison trap just does not. Can it be motivating on some level? Sure. Right. Being like, oh, wow, this person has nice stuff. I want nice stuff. OK, like, sure. But you just spend less time comparing yourself to others and more time on just improving yourself and, and, and bettering yourself and, and, and cultivating your skills. And I think you're going to you know go way further. And then with the personality test stuff, I mean, or sorry, the um, IQ test stuff. I mean, like just for people watching or listening, you know, like I'm pretty convinced I have like a learning disability with math. I just am um, like business math. Obviously I'm, oh, I'm learned how to, to, you know, be good with that because I've had to, but like, I just, you know, sucked at math. Like C student could not, just was never interested in it. I mean, I was a huge part of it. I think and it's called dysgraphia. There's actually a name for it. Yeah. So we all know dyslexia. That's the issue where you're reversing letters with your reading and other related things. But dysgraphia could be that, you know, the way that your brain is processing numbers is just a little jumbled and you have to learn other ways around it. That sounds right, honestly. And, and maybe I could, you know, I, I, at some point in my life, I kind of want to figure that out just for the purely from an enjoyment, intellectual challenge type of way. But I mean, my, my LSAT is out of like 180. I got like a 160, which is pretty good, but it was basically all on the like, 
don't know, basically not the logic games. Logic games I just tanked on because logic games is the most mathematical kind of part. And I just always have sucked at logic games. And you know, if, if I took an IQ test, I, I've only taken one one time recently because my friend was like, oh, you know, I bet you get a really high score. And I was a little bit drunk when I took it, honestly. And so I got like an OK. It was better, definitely better than average, but it was nothing like outstanding. And I, I would bet if I did that again today, I wouldn't get that high of a score on my IQ test. Right. My IQ is probably it's above average, but it's not like it's nothing in the top, you know, even 10 percent even. And yet. I've had this tremendous success and, you know, going back to like my friends, other friends who went to law school, like my one good friend from, from since elementary school went to law school and was, I was one of the reasons I wanted to do it. And you know, he makes a decent living, but the dude has like three kids now. And I know he's just working. Like he, he works, you know, he doesn't see him in the morning. He comes home at six. He sees him for like an hour and he works until like 12 o'clock at night and he barely ever sees his kids and he's tired all the time. And, and, you know, yeah, he's making money, but it's like, damn, that, you know, is not a life I would have wanted. I'm so thankful that I didn't try to follow this for status, you know? So yeah, I just want to share that stuff. And and, and yeah, on the last note, I mean, whatever your major is and you, you know, you go get a job somewhere and then what's going to happen is you're going to meet people in other departments and who are in other roles and they're doing other things and you're going to find some of that interesting. And then someone like a manager or somebody's going to be like, hey, can you help with this one thing? Or does anybody want to help? And you're going to be like, oh, okay, I'll help with that. And then you're going to find out you're actually pretty good at it. And you're going to do more of it. And then probably two or three years or a year or whatever from when you started in that job, you're going to be doing something entirely different anyways, most of the time, right? And that happens all the time. And there's other opportunities. And then you realize, oh, I actually really like this and I'm good at it. And then you're going to leave that job and go somewhere else. And you get hired for that skill that you learned on the job anyway that had nothing to do with your major or, you know, like, again, the skills from your major will have helped you along the path. But like that happens all of the time. So you just like it's just not static. You don't leave college. Right. And you go into the workforce and, you know, you studied marketing. So now you're in marketing and that's what you're going to do for the next 50 years. Like maybe, but probably you're going to discover like sub niches like analytics. Oh, I really think analytics are interesting. And suddenly you're an analytics person or whatever it is. You just just don't worry so much about like the next 10 years, like just, you know, like things are going to change and that's good. Oh my God. Can I just say like, I'm getting choked up listening to you because you are playing back almost exactly what I tell my students. I actually wrote a post about this on LinkedIn recently in which I said, don't think about your career as if you were a chef following a recipe like you're making lasagna and you go into the refrigerator and you're like getting out the mozzarella and you're getting out your ricotta and you're going into the cupboard and getting your tomato sauce and the other ingredients and you follow step by step by step by step. You stick it in the oven at 375 for 45 minutes and voila, there's your career. Instead, Think of it like you're a mad scientist. You're in the laboratory. You're like throwing shit in a test tube and some of it blows up in your face and you got all the soot all over and it's good because you're going to try something else because we're all unique and it's a unique formula that we have to create ourselves by doing. And so Instead of freaking out and thinking like, oh, my God, I'm graduating and I don't know what I want to do with my capital C career for the rest of my life. 
No, like take a deep breath and just ask yourself, what do I want to do for the next year? What do I want to try? Because exactly what you said, Stefan, exactly. The magic of life happens. Maybe it's your supervisor who asks you to try something else. And initially you're like, that doesn't sound interesting at all to me. And yet you do it and you realize, oh my God, I'm actually good at this. I actually kind of, maybe I do like it. Or you don't like that, but you go to a party And your buddy starts talking about what he's doing or what she's doing. And you're like, that sounds pretty cool. I want to try that. That is what happens in life. It's iterative. It's organic. I totally agree. I love I love that the way of looking at it as a chef or some mad scientist. And I think another part of it is every Success. I mean, for speaking directly to the college students and, and, and really anybody, honestly, but, but it hopefully it resonates because I think this is completely related to what you just said. We think the stakes are, are so high all the time, but the reality is every single very successful person that I know and, you know, I mean, and, or that I have mutual friends, I got mutual friends with like Elon Musk, right? I'm not friends with Elon Musk, like, I, like really great, right? But like the, the commonality for all this stuff is like, they love failing and they embrace failing. They don't look at it as failure. They think of it as like stepping stones, you know, like every failure gets you closer to a victory. Like, and without failures, you can't have those wins. You've got to look kind of, you've got to go through the losses to get to the win. And again, if you look at it, like giving up on something after a year and you think, oh, I'm a failure. I gave up. Or this wasn't the right thing, you know, and you beat yourself up about it. There, no upside comes from it. But if you're like, oh, that's amazing. I can check that off the list. Don't like that. Now I can move on to something new, right? Like in the, going back to a scientist, right? If, if, if science worked where like every hypothesis you had was just like born out and was correct, then like, you know, we would already be, I don't know what, flying around the entire you know, galaxy, if not universe. And but that's not how it works. It's like you have to go through all of the failed experiments to, you know, find that eureka moment, the moment where the test tube lights up gold. And so, you know, be okay with that. It's totally fine. You're supposed to fail. Again, the most successful people fail constantly and they love it. They're like, this is so great that I failed. I know I've learned. I learned, what can I take from this and now incorporate into the next thing that I do? That is the way you need to look at your life and your career and everything else. And if you do that, you will be light years ahead of all the other people who let short-term quote-unquote failures define them. And like, don't be that person. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.